0: Well, good morning, everyone, and if this is your first time, my name is Chad, I'm pastor here, I get to work with an amazing team of individuals, so glad to have you here this morning. Uh, My grandparents, uh, I was super close to my grandparents, and on my dad's side, uh, that particular grandpa, he was a bit of an Oklahoma redneck, like super smart, ran a business and all that, but he was okay with his redneckness, and he liked kind of Oklahoma stuff, but he loved to tell this joke. Do you know what the last words of most rednecks are? Hey, Bubba, watch this. (laughs) So uh, in America, there's a more common phrase. It's usually uttered by men in response to a woman who has wisely raised concern about the safety of whatever or however the man is doing what he is currently doing in that moment. And it's this phrase, I've got this. I've got this. Nothing to worry about. I know what I'm doing. I've got this. Though a high percentage of times it is followed with a trip to urgent care, but especially for those born and raised in America, uh, men and women, but it tends to be especially men, there's something hardwired into us from our culture from the earliest days in which we live our lives as if we individually have the unlimited ability to successfully face whatever life may throw our way. Uh, We are a country that emphasizes individual freedoms and autonomy and the right for self-determination. And there certainly is value to this. But there is also a downside, which I'm going to explain. Now, if you missed last week, please listen to Unlimited Part 1. Uh, We defined the risk related to our tendency to live as if our days are numbered and all the risk connected to that. We focused on our time. We focused on a prayer of Moses. God teach us to number our days to live as if our days are numbered because they are numbered. And we talked about how to avoid burnout and regret. And today I wanna talk about the sense that most of us have, not all, but most of us have and that somehow is in our uh, individual ability to face everything that life throws at us, that it is unlimited. Now intellectually, we know this isn't true, but it's not reflected in the level of autonomy that we daily live or that we even pursue. In fact, it's even hardwired into the American dream from the earliest days, and that is to get to a place in life where we don't have anyone telling us what to do or not do, right? To get to the point where we are our own bosses and to have the freedom to do what I want, when I want, with whom I want, and that I alone determine my destiny. But the interesting thing is that a quick Google search will bring up study after study showing how isolated, lonely, stressed, and anxious Americans are more than any generation prior. In fact, this past May, Trust for America's Health released its annual report. Pain in the Nation 2023, the epidemics of alcohol, drug, and suicide deaths. And the report showed that the rate of U.S. deaths due to alcohol, drugs, and suicide climbed 11% to a record 209,225 deaths. I've shared openly, quite openly, about how five months ago, on March 3rd, uh, just due to a number of personal factors, I personally reached a point of burnout. And breakdown, I experienced a dark, dark moment in which I felt no light, no hope, uh, no light at the end of the tunnel, nothing but fear, anxiety, and despair. And in that moment, I had a choice, that I could give in to those feelings, or I could reach out. And as hard as it was, I reached out. But what I want you to hear this morning, as we begin to talk about you and the people that matter most to you, is the fact that I was able to immediately reach out specifically i was able to reach out to a group of men that i i trust because I'm in regular, consistent, smaller community with them, and I have been for over six years now. Specifically, besides some other key individuals in my life that I also trust, besides other men that I built trusted relationships with, I am part of a structured, small group of pastors that meets on a regular basis. We have invested in one another's lives. I've been with this group, again, for over six years. We intimately know each other. We know about one another's families. We have shared joys and struggles of what we do vocationally. We have wake surfed together. We have shared meals together. We have fished together. We have played chess together. We've gone to conferences and retreats together. We've enjoyed a good cigar and a bourbon together. And through the week, we message and encourage one another. We check in on one another. So when I hit bottom and I needed someone to help me, they were there and then they began to walk alongside me as I limped, and they still are. And the bonus was, at that time, I was also in a Saturday morning men's breakfast with some men who are in, the, are in this room right now. And so the very next morning, I was able to look these men in the eye around a table and share with them what I was dealing with. And they were able to listen to me and encourage me and pray for me. So I feel extra motivated to talk with you this morning because if I could push a button, and instantly make something true of all of us. Among other things, one of the biggest things is that none of you, none of you would be doing life alone. That none of you would be anything doing life without at least two to twelve, hopefully, Jesus followers doing life with you specifically that you would be in some sort of structured small group with two to 12 Christians doing life together. I would put a, push a button and put all of you in a small group. I would push a button and put all of your kids in a small group, all your middle schoolers in a small group, all of your high schoolers, our singles, our couples, because at the end of the day, in words coined by somebody other than me, circles are better than rows. Face-to-face, with others in a circle, is better than you and Rose looking at me. And if I could push, push a button and put you and put your kids in a meaningful uh, two or three times a month, at least, face-to-face, in one another's lives group, with at least two to twelve people praying together, opening God's Word together, doing life together, serving together, I would do that in a heartbeat. Because at the end of the day, that's where growth happens. That's where life happens. That's where accountability and a sense of belonging and care can, happens. And as a man and a pastor, you need to, to know this. You have no idea how stressed out I am for those of you who are not connected in a regular, structured relationship with others. Because I've been in ministry for over 28 years now. And I've seen again and again and again what a difference this makes. And because if your only connection, if your only connection to new life or any church, if you're part of another church, if your only connection is the Sunday morning experience, that makes for a very fragile connection. And it makes for very little life change. Curious, a couple weeks ago, I reached out to some members of some of some of our small groups, and I asked them this question. How has your small group made a positive impact or a difference in your life? One couple shared how incredible the support they received from their small group was after their daughter was born, how they were huge in helping them adjust to being new parents and how great it is to be able to connect in a consistent smaller setting with others at a similar stage of life. Another couple expressed how their group has given them something that they didn't have before, a deep sense of community and as well as an environment to dig deeper into the Bible and, di- and deal with important questions. And another, how their group is their support system and their trusted accountability family. One individual shared how their group has provided a safe place for them to share some dark feelings and struggles, but they never feel judged or ignored or alone. And a guy, another guy said that, uh, one of the men said, this, his life group is how he feels connected to the church at all that this is his community, that small group, because on Sunday mornings, he's chosen on more Sundays than not to be in the rooms next door, pouring into your kids, pouring into the next generation instead of being in the adult service. So what I want to do this morning is I just want to build on this, and I want to give it my best shot to inspire you in this area, and to do that, I want to leverage something huge that Jesus said, because just so you understand, I know the pushback, because I've been there at times in my life giving some of the very same objections. I'm too busy. I don't have time for this. I I, I can't keep up with the friends that I already have. I don't need new friends, or I've tried small group before. It didn't really work. Okay, I get it, but for just a few minutes, Let's listen, let's at least listen to what Jesus and Solomon said, two of the smartest men that have ever walked the planet. Jesus said to his closest followers, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. I mean, that's a happy thought. But woe, woe to anyone through whom they come. So Jesus, he looks at the people he loves the most and he says, listen, in life eventually you're going to stumble over something. Now when you stumble over something, it's because you didn't see it, right? Right? Jesus says, as you go along in your life, things that cause people to stumble, things that will cause you to stumble, they're going to come, and many times, unfortunately, through others. And in this version of the Greek, the writers would uh, always put the most important word first in the sentence. So the literal translation gets a little Star Wars and Yoda, which makes me like it. Uh, In the the literal Greek, it is impossible it is. I want to say it in a funny voice, but I'm not going to. Impossible it is. Impossible it is for stumbling blocks not to come. Jesus is saying, no no matter how long you've been a Christian, whether or not you have your kids in Christian school or not, and all you ever do is listen to Christian music, he says it, it, it's impossible for you to live this life without there being things that will catch you off guard and have the potential to trip you up. Jesus saying, is saying that there are things people relationships, circumstances, they are going to come, and they're going to come, and they have the potential to blindside you, and the next thing you know, something's happened to your faith. Something's happened to your intimacy with God. You're just not quite as involved in the church community as You once were, and the next thing you know, you begin to justify certain choices or behaviors or actions or words, And, and the thing that I want you to hear today is as smart as you are, and I know you're smart, you're all smarter than I am, and as mature as you are, and as spiritual as you are, and as much Bible as you know, and some of you, you know way more Bible than I do, in spite of all of that, Jesus is saying it is impossible for you to get through life without at some point or points in your life for something to be thrown in your way that has the potential or that will cause you to stumble. And if at one point in your life, for example, if you had a point you used to go to church and then you got out of church and maybe now you're back, I mean, you've got a version of this because you stumbled out. Sometimes it's ideas. Some of us went off to military, or we went off to college in our freshman year. Somebody or a professor gave us some new ideas, and these new ideas, this new worldview that your parents had no answer to, and, and, and you were given new information, a new way of thinking, and it caused you to stumble out of church, maybe stumble out of any type of faith in God. I think for most of us, we would say the thing that caused us to stumble, especially at that point in our life, was people, friendships. Maybe we moved to a new city. A different set of friends, different values, and what was important in your hometown wasn't as important for this group of people. I mean, church may have been a regular part of your growing up, but then you got to this new group of people, and it's like, Sunday, church, like, seriously? And it didn't seem to bother them. And after a while, it didn't bother you. And the next thing you know, you just stumbled out of church because of the friends effect. Some of you may have friends right now that you'd say they're not in church anymore because they've hit a stumbling block. Maybe they're in love, they're infatuated, they've moved in, and there's some tension. Maybe they're one of those people who said, you know, not me, never me, I'll never abandon my faith, you know, I'll always be a church person, I'll always have a relationship with God, but somebody came along, and now God's way has become inconvenient to personal desire or preference. Another big thing that eventually can cause some of us to stumble away is wealth and money, I mean, you've heard the phrase, the deceitfulness of riches, because riches are deceitful. They deceive you into thinking that you're smarter than you are. In our culture, there's something about us. We tend to think that the more money someone makes, the smarter they are. I mean, you know that's not true, right? Like, money does not make you smart. We all know some really unwise, dumb, rich people, okay? And we all know some really, really smart, not-so-rich people. In fact, Jesus said it's much harder, it's much, much harder for a rich person to get into the kingdom of God than a poor person. Why? Because wealth brings options. It brings opportunities. It brings distractions. See, the problem with poverty is the lack of options. The poverty. The problem with wealth is too many options. The writer of Proverbs 30, he wrote something that would be good for all of us to add to our prayers. He writes, keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but only give me my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. The, the writer of Proverbs understood that money and wealth is a distraction of either too many options that has the potential to become a stumbling block or the flip side of hard times because difficult times ding our faith as well. Difficult times cause us to wonder, is, is God there? Is he listening to my prayers? Does he hear? Does he care? I've prayed harder than I've ever prayed. I've gone to church more often than I've ever gone. I've been reading my Bible more than I've ever read it before, and things are just, seem to be getting worse rather than better, and this can become a stumbling block. Jesus's point is, look, it is impossible for you to get through your life without things eventually being thrown in your way that have the potential to cause you to stumble. And honestly, I don't think I have to convince you of that because most of us have lived long enough to see points in our life where we go, I stumbled. Now, I'll ask you this question, then we'll we'll move on. Do you think there are things that could be thrown in front of your nieces or your nephews or your grandchildren, your your children, your middle schoolers or your teenagers that could cause them to stumble morally, mentally, physically, stumble away from their faith? Stumble away from values and the things that you've taught them and tried to instill in them and parents, as parents. Do you think there are things that could be thrown in front of your kids that would cause them to stumble out of the church or stumble away from God and accountability to their Heavenly Father who loves them? And if you're a parent, you're going, absolutely, like it scares me to death. When I look at my, our culture and our schools and our society and social media and the Internet, I mean... I'm terrified. I, I, I see things being thrown in front of my kids all the time where I feel like I'm constantly having to go, okay, son, now, now just listen to me or honey, we've got to have a conversation. Watch out for this. Watch out for that. And when I talk to my kids, especially as they get their, they're getting older and I'm trying to get them as concerned about the things that I'm concerned about and, and things that they have never experienced, things that they don't understand, and they kind of look at me like, whatever, dad, whatever, mom. see, the problem is, I'm convinced that we look at God that way far too often. Like, whatever, God. I think we talk about things here at New Life on any given weekend. And for some of us, it's like, you know, that's that's not going to happen for me. That's someone else. I think our Heavenly Father is going, really? Like, you don't know that. Every single one of us, there is something out there that a throne at our feet at the most inopportune time has the potential to take us out when it comes to our faith and our personal relationship with God and our confidence in God and in Christ. Jesus promises it. So here's the connection why this is so important as it relates to my desire for all of us to be in some sort of smaller circle outside of here on a Sunday morning. Because it's easy to stumble out of church. Because it's an attendance thing. It's a habit thing. You know, especially the younger you are, it's like, I stayed out a little late last night, I'm really tired, I think I'll go next week, I'll just catch it online. And most of us could probably tell a story about a stage of our life where we stumbled out of church, and it's easy to stumble out of church, even to stumble out of faith, out of your personal relationship with God. But it is almost impossible to stumble out of the kind of community that I'm talking about this morning. It's almost impossible to stumble out and get taken out if you're connected to a group of people that are doing life together, and you're in one another's face in a good way, in a positive way, and you're praying together, and you're asking difficult questions together, and you're opening God's Word together. I'm telling you, it's almost impossible to stumble out of that because it's relational. It's tangible. People are paying attention to what's going on in your life, and it's family, but Better. It's like family, but better in some ways. Because when you stumble in your faith, or you stumble in your relationship with God, who is usually the last group of people you're going to listen to? Your family. Because when stumbling blocks are thrown in front of us and have the potential to take us out, we don't listen to our family. I mean, husbands, let's just be honest. We don't want to listen to our wives. Wives don't listen to their husbands. We don't listen to our parents. We don't listen to our siblings. This is why it's so extraordinarily important that you be in some kind of regular, predictable, structured community with people other than your relatives because it is almost impossible to stumble out of that kind of community. Now, the wisest man who ever lived than Jesus is Solomon. And Solomon had some incredible things that he said and taught that he did not apply himself. So, in fact, he becomes a case study for what happens when you don't do some of the things that he said you should do. Now, before we get too critical of Solomon, for those of you who are fathers or mothers, let's just be honest. You have done the same things with your kids. And then your kids come around and they quote you to you, which is a lot of fun. It's like, well, honey, when you grow up, you'll understand. Okay, whatever that means. So this is Solomon. And this is the book of Ecclesiastes. It's actually one of my favorite books, but you should not read it until you're over 40. Uh, Here's this powerful insight. He says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. So even thousands of years ago, they understand like if you take an ox and put it with another ox, like two ox could actually pull three or four times what one ox could do because of synergy. Or if you have a man and you put another man within that two men can actually do the work of three men or even four men because again... There's this synergy that happens. And he says, if either of them falls down, one can help the other up. So if you walk with someone and you stumble and fall, someone's there to help you up. You can help each other up. It's true. It's obvious even. But here's the contrast or the kicker. But, and this is our world. For those of you with kids, this is your, your child's world. It's your middle schooler's world. It's your teen's world. It's your freshman and college student's world. This is all of our world. But pity. Pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Solomon, the wisest person in the world, became so wealthy and powerful and in the end did what most wealthy and powerful people do because he became so autonomous that eventually no one had access to him. He was his own boss. I've got this. And it cost him and the generations that followed dearly. Pity the person who stumbles and falls and no one has access. Pity is anyone who stumbles and falls and no one is relationally connected enough to them to stop and help them get back up. See, the tragedy in our world and the tragedy in my ministry world is for men and women and students to be doing life, going through life, convinced I've got this. I can do this on my own. I've got it figured out. I'm smart enough. I don't have time for a group. I've got a busy schedule. I've got school and work and sports things. I already have friends. I don't need new ones. There'll just be more to manage. And then they stumble and fall. But there's no one there with a depth of relationship doing life with them in proximity with them that can immediately reach out their hand to them or who can come alongside them and say, hey, you're stumbling, or you have stumbled. I've got you. Because listen, when people stumble morally, we don't want to be helped back up, do we? Like when people stumble out of their marriage or family because they got distracted, like I I just, they don't ever want to be helped back up. Like, no, I'm fine. I'm just going to lay here on the ground. This way I can't fall. I'm already down here. Let's Just leave me alone. It's, it's safer. Okay, when people stumble financially, they don't want to be helped back up. It's like, it, They're afraid they're going to have to change maybe some drastic changes in their spending habits or maybe downsize. Or they're just embarrassed. And they're embarrassed to acknowledge with other people, hey, I've stumbled. And they're just going to hope things work themselves out and pretend that everything's okay when it's not. Here's another one. When people stumble in the areas of depression and anxiety, far too often they are either too embarrassed to ask for help or they just reason it, it won't change anything, it won't help, so they just continue to suffer in silence until for some they reach the point of no return. They make a decision that cannot be undone. And it hurts them and everyone closest to them. See, that's why our families are almost powerless because again, we tend to not listen to our parents or our husbands or wives. Pity the man, pity the woman, pity the fourth grader, pity, pity the middle schooler, the high schooler, the college freshman. But when they stumble, they are not connected to anyone who has access, the relational skill, the relationship to stay, stop and say, listen, I'm going to stand here with you. I'm going to pull, I'm going to pull, I'm going to pull, and we're going to come around and we're going to get around you and we're not going to let you stay down because when you stumble, what you need the most, you will desire the least. When you stumble because you got distracted, or when you stumble because you got your priorities mixed up, I've got this. When your faith takes a ding because things go bad, or because you got involved with someone you shouldn't, or in a way that you shouldn't have, the last thing that you're going to want is for someone to stop and help you back up, but it's going to be what you need the most. And if you have not laid the groundwork relationally, not gotten so connected to some key people who share your values and your hope, who refuse to go away, I'm going to keep calling you. I'm going to be obnoxious. If you don't come to my house, I'm coming to yours. Like We're not going to let you lay there in your disconnectedness or your sin and the things that are ultimately going to ruin and erode your relationships at home and with God. We're not going away. Pity. The individual that doesn't have that because when you need it, you're not going to want it, seek it out, or initiate it. That's why, as we move into the fall and the future, I just desperately want every one of you in a group of two, made up of at least two to 12 others, for your sake and for theirs, because it's some of the best preparation that you can make for the inevitability of stumbling blocks coming for you and for them, for your kids. And one of my visions for this church is that this approach to life would go all the way down into, the, into kids' life so that from the earliest ages possible, we have helped the next generation lay solid groundwork of connections for the future, for their future, especially as they get to adolescence. And for you parents to be involved in a group, because as they get into an adolescence, you are going to need one another. And many of you, you, you already know this. Uh, when your kids stumble, especially in adolescence, they're, as parents, they're, they're not going to listen to you. The question is, who are they going to listen to? Pity the 10th grader, the 11th grader, the 12th grader when they stumble, there's no one there to help them stand back up, but it starts with us living it out. Now, if that doesn't convince you, let me just try one more thing. Imagine this for some of you. Imagine the difference in your family of origin. Imagine the difference it might have made if your father had had a group of men he was doing life with who shared your family values, and when he stumbled. They decided, we're not going to let you lay there. And we're not going away until we get you back up. We're not going to let you medicate your way out of this family. We're not going to let you affair this way out of your family. We're not going to let you porn your way out of this family. We're not going to allow you to sacrifice your, your family for a career. We're not going to allow you to remain emotionally disconnected from your wife and your family. Imagine how much different your life had, would have been growing up. For some of you, or imagine if your parents, as a couple, had been in a relationship like what I'm talking about, and when things started to get bad at home, and bad in their relationship, and and, and, and maybe they fell out of love, and maybe he started thinking about leaving, and she started thinking about leaving, what if they had been surrounded by like-minded people that said, okay, listen, we know it's expensive, we'll pay for the counseling. In fact, we're going to pick you up, we're going to drive you to the counseling, And we're not going to just let this marriage fall apart. We're not going to let you just settle for staying married and being miserable for the rest of your lives. And we're not going to be the friend that says, yeah, you ought to go ahead and leave him or leave her. You can upgrade. You know, or honey, I just understand. Or no, we're we're not just going to be empathetic. We're going to go, no, 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 no. We are going to fight for your marriage even when you don't have the energy or maybe even the motivation to do so. Imagine if your parents had had those kinds of relationships around them. So that when they stumbled out of church, out of faith, out of love, there had been somebody, a group of people to say, okay, you may not make it, but we're going to make sure that we do everything in our power to make sure that you do. What if you'd had that when you were in the 10th grade? Oh, my gosh. What if there had been other adult voices, adults who loved you, who had your best interest in mind, if they'd been in your life when you were in high school, because, again, you weren't going to listen to mom and dad. They were idiots. I mean, they're the smartest people that ever lived now. But when you're 16, it's like, ladies, like you, you just rolled your eyes and walked off. Like That was your whole communication. Roll your eyes and walk off. Uh, and, and then mom's like, I'll roll that head of yours. And, and guys, like you just had a bad attitude because they're your parents. I get it. But what if you had other adult voices in your life that you trusted and you thought were cool that you could identify with and they were beside you? When you stumbled, and they said the very same thing as your parents. But for some reason, when it came to that person or that group, you had ears to hear and eyes to see. Can you imagine how much different your life could have, would have been? Or when you were in college, if you had had that kind of encouragement and accountability and that kind of structure. For some of you, some of you, you've gone through a first marriage. And you think about that first marriage, and maybe a lot of it was your fault. Maybe almost none of it was your fault. But what if your ex-husband or ex-wife or you both had had the kind of relationships What if they'd had that kind of relationship as they began to stumble away from the relationship, or you did? If you'd been in the kind of group where it was where there were other ladies that could have gone to your wife, or other men that could have gone to your husband and go, hey, hey, this isn't going in a good direction. Red flag, we are here to help and we're not going away. You say, I'm not sure that would have saved my marriage. Well, maybe it wouldn't have, but what if? Solomon says, Pity the person. When the inevitable stumbling blocks come that Jesus talks about, pity. The person, when they trip and fall, there's no one who has the relationship and proximity to make sure that when they go down, they don't stay down for the count. And so that's why we need to become relentless about getting and staying connected. Because stumbling blocks are going to come. And sitting in rows when you stumble is worthless. Because here's what I can tell you. When you stumble, you'll simply stop coming to sit in a row. I've seen it happen too many times, even within this community over the last seven years. There's got to be somebody who loves you so much and is so connected to you that they feel comfortable saying, hey, you're not going to be that one. You're not going to be the one that says pity him or pity her because there was no one there beside them to do everything they could to lift them back up Now, I know that some of you, you're in a great spot right now. Like, your life is filled with joy for the most part right now. Your stress level is pretty low. Awesome. Your felt need for what I'm talking about is extremely low. But here's the thing. Someone needs you. Maybe right now who's at risk of the stumbling block isn't you. It's somebody else. Who's at risk is someone else, and God wants to use you because a stumbling block has come or is coming their way in the near future. And God wants to use you to lift them back up. See, the reason I was able to stumble and so quickly get lifted back up and have people walking alongside me is because surrounding me were individuals that were in a position of strength And they had proximity and they were in a position to pull me back up. And until the day I die, die, when I tell this story, I will tell the story of Andy and Scott and Tom and Joshua, as well as my men's group and even our leadership team. But here's the challenge for us all. And I will say, especially at New Life, at the stage and size that we're at, is that you're going to have to put in a lot of effort. You're going to have to put in the effort first, connected to last week's message, and if you missed it, again, please get it online and listen to it. But for most of you, to add something like this to your life, you're going to have to remove something else or some other things from your life. This isn't just about adding one more thing. Secondly, you're going to have to put in a little extra effort because how we do this, how we get you adults, and ultimately over time, teens and kids uh, in groups in the weeks and months to come. It's going to have to be a team effort. In a perfect ideal world, we would have a simple, structured, great streamlined system to where you click a button and poof, we get you connected. And eventually we want to offer this to every age group. Uh, This church is made up again of highly intelligent people, people so much smarter than me, more gifted when it comes to systems. Has called and gifted you to help us create that. We need your organizational skills to be able to do that. But for now, at the stage and size and what we have available at the, the moment, getting connected how we're talking about today is entirely organic. The, the groups that exist right now, it just simply happened because somebody said, hey, I want to start a group. We're going to start a group. We're going to do this in the morning or the evening. I'd, I'd like to invite you. And then over time, people got added, but it was entirely word of mouth and personal invite and people taking the initiative to make this a priority. Now, what we can and what we will do is help you. We'll give you some guidance. We'll give you some resources. We'll give you study resources. Like, you don't have to do this all entirely on your own, but the majority of it is up to you. And in New Life, you have at least two simple options. The first is, some of you, you just had a chance on Sunday mornings to make acquaintances and get to know if you're from New Life. Uh, some of you are brand new. Like, don't freak out. You can, you can play along with this, too. Uh, but, you know, some of you have been around. You've made some acquaintances. You thought, like, I don't think I would hate them too much. You, and you could just go, hey, I'm thinking about doing this, what Chad said. Like, just between now and Thanksgiving, you know, let's, let's give this a shot. Let's do a group. It's Just a face-to-face approach. Like, and, and make the invite. When can we make it work? The other is, before you leave here today, stop by one of those orange cards. Now, the only way you get Chick-fil-A or Starbucks is if you're a guest, but you can still fill out an orange card. You can give it to the host team table person. You can give it to me. You can drop it into the giving box, and we'll gather those names. If you're watching online or listening later in the week, you can message us. You can email hello at newlifewichita.com. Say, I'd like to be in a group. Here's kind of the days and times I have available, and then we'll get that information out and do everything we can to get it out so then you can begin making some connections, and will help you get the ball rolling, but in the end, it's going to be up to you to just be relentless about it. Plus, you need a, couple, a little bit of time to get some things off of your schedule anyways. And, and let me say this. If you've been in a group in the past, and you had a bad experience, so what? At one point or another, you got a bad haircut. You did not stop getting haircuts, Okay. You just found somebody else to do it. You had a bad experience with a doctor. You did not stop going to doctors. You didn't give up on science. You just found another doctor, okay? So sometimes personalities conflict. I get that. Sometimes things don't go as planned. I get that. It's okay. Try again. We're human. Don't give up on this because you had one bad experience. Just try again. And lastly, there's no cookie-cutter format Ideally, in my experience, like 10 to 12 people, but maybe it's 3 to 7, every lunch on a Wednesday. There was a, when I lived in Illinois, there was a group of men, uh, most of them old enough to be my dad, that we ate at a Thai restaurant every Wednesday for years. And that, that was my group. That's how we connected. So it, it could be 7 to 9 of you on a Saturday morning, like a breakfast group. It could be 10 to 12 of you every Tuesday or Wednesday night. And some of you are like, well, what about kids or whatever? I'm not saying there aren't going to be challenges. But again, you're smart people. You'll figure it out. No what, matter what the format, here's what I know. And I don't want you to miss this. Like, I don't want you to just miss this point. I don't want you to miss this experience. God wants to do something in and through you in the lives of others. And he has something that he wants to do in you, specifically, through the life of someone else, through someone you're in an authentic relationship with. And I want to make sure that you're in the position to experience that, to help others when they stumble, and for them to be there to help you when you eventually stumble. I invite the band up and let's pray. Father, we are, our culture is so driven and we pack so much in. Father, I've been blessed to visit Hispanic culture, African culture, other cultures where they don't struggle as much because family and relationships and connectedness is priority. But Father, here in America, we, we have a real hard time with this. So I pray for every single one of us in this room especially with what I experienced last March, let alone other points in my life. God, I I don't want anyone in here doing life alone, so I pray that you would give them the courage, especially the introverts, to step way out of their comfort zone and to take this step and at least give it a try. So Father, we're going to need your help on this because we're overloaded, put too much in. We need you to give us the wisdom of what to take out to get a more sustainable, healthy pace in our life with our time and our, the priority of relationships. And Father, I pray that over the coming months we would begin to hear some even more amazing stories of people being there for one another that you would bless people with that experience because they had the courage to take the step to learn from the wisdom of Solomon and to learn from the wisdom of Jesus. And I pray this for our community. And Father, I pray that you would bring more, more people here that are that don't know you yet, but also people that do know you and they love you, that you have gifted and skilled, that they would come alongside our children and our middle schoolers and our high schoolers and our college students to walk alongside them and to do life with them so that they are not alone. Parents are partnered with and as a community it's a team effort. We want to do that Father but you've got to bring the workers and we need to see you build your church. I pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.